All right, so real quick, uh, this episode, the first um, 20 minutes, half hour, uh, the internet connection was kind of rough, so some of the audio gets a little quiet in this one, but I promise you it gets better. We fixed it, uh, so don't give up on it early. This is actually a really good episode. You'll enjoy it. Just bear with us. Enjoy. Episode 97, Focus Cubed Habitats. Later. This is Jacob Brotz with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, what's a C carton? Nine. The cigarettes is my shotzi. Oh. <clears throat> you got a cigar with you tonight? No, because I wasn't paying attention. I just rushed outside because I was like, oh, my God, it's 9 o'clock. Oh. I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. And I, so. Okay. Well, as you light that up, I'm going to let everybody know. This is episode 97 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics, Herpeticulture Magazine, and the Herpeticulture Network, which includes myself and my fellow co-host here, Phil Wolf. Who joins me on Salutations. He joins me on Snakes and Stogies. Jake is still sort of on vacation, uh, doing his thing. He will be back probably within the next like week or so. Uh, so Phil is here. Hello, the, the yin to my yang, my buddy. You're so kind. You just do such a good job with it, man. Well, I appreciate it. I like, love doing it. So. You just you ask the que- like all the questions that I just don't think of, and you're just you're right on point. Like you're right in there. Well, great minds think alike, man. I'm like, man, he's on point. <clears throat> um, this show is brought to you by MP Cages and Exotics. If you need awesome racks and cages, hit them up. Hit up Sean, and then Steve Kennedy at Steve Snakeuary with his Venom Hot Sauces. Um, there's one for everyone. If you like mango, if you like chipotle, if you like salsa verde, there's a bunch of different ju- uh, kinds to choose from. They're all awesome. Um, the cotton mouth one is my favorite so far. He does have a limited one. That's the anti-venom sauce, um, that I have not tried yet, but I really want to. And I believe that's like the hottest one of the bunch. So need to get my hands on some of that <clears throat> and give it a shot. But, uh... Tonight, we will be joined shortly by Ashley and Stephen uh, Hod of Focus Cubed Habitats. Uh, they've been very sort of, I guess, popular as of late. A lot of, lot of traction, a lot of attention. Um, if you haven't seen their stuff, they did what I didn't think could be done, and they've put a sort of new, I guess, modern or even maybe even a futuristic sort of spin on reptile caging. Um would you agree? Is it futuristic? Is it modern? A little bit of both? I would. I mean, it's very it's very new age artistic, but not like crazy. It's 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 got beautiful line work. And we'll, we'll talk to her about it. Yeah. We'll talk to him about it. Yeah. So um, be sure to check them out. It's Focus Cubed. Uh, habitats.com, I believe, is the website. And then you can find them at Focus Cubed Habitats on Facebook and Instagram. But I mean, they, they're doing really cool stuff. I'm very anxious to get into this one because, like I said, I didn't think you could really 
reinvent the wheel in a sense when it comes to caging because it's like okay you know you got your sides you got your top you got your bottom and then you got your doors whatever like is there really any making that sort of pretty and they came in and man they they're just super original like light years different from what anybody else is doing uh you know aesthetically and uh it's very very cool but <clears throat> You just you just got you some geckos, buddy. Who who, who me? Yeah. Th- this guy? Yeah, you. Uh, I I, I kind of did. Yeah, I actually uh, just pulled the trigger about uh, thirty minutes ago. Not even. Nice. Yeah. More so, knobs. Uh, more knobby knobs. They'll be here early next week, and uh, yeah, big uh, big shout out to my boy Isaac out in California from Monstabelli's Geckos. If you want to check it out, go on Instagram, look at Monster Bellies. He has some amazing geckos. Almost every species of knobtail in the U.S. He's got some crazy leopard geckos that are just super cryptic. Some of the Iranian stuff, some of the West Indian stuff. So Ooh. definitely check out Monster Bellies on Instagram. There's the shout out. And uh, yeah, geckos rock, man. Have you had the vertebrales before? I haven't. This is my first time doing it. And uh I got to be honest, I'm, I'm a little nervous because it's a new species, you know, but the people that I've talked to and the research that I've done, they basically say that I'm on the right path and kind of have a good idea what I'm doing. So uh, let's do it, right? Well, how do those differ from the other species in, in the knobtails? Like, I um, honestly, I think I've seen pictures of them, but didn't realize they were what they were. Like, I knew they were a knobtail, but I didn't know what species. And then when you were sending pictures earlier in the group chat, it was like, holy crap, those things are awesome looking. Yeah, yeah, they're super cool. Um, they basically look very, they look very similar to a smooth to a levies, um, but they have a vertebral line, like a, a literally spinal line that goes from the back of the nape all the way down to the tip of the tail, tip of the knob. And uh, it's actually really interesting because up until a few decades back, they were just considered, you know, not many adults have been found in the wild because they are so remote. And a lot of the babies that they found, they just thought it was a normal levies levies. Mm-hmm. Because baby levies levies have that vertebral line down their back. Um, and then I guess they, they kept some and they grew up and they kept the line and they're like, wait, this is a different species. But uh, they're super cool, man. They, they inhabit like acacia woodlands with like, uh, you know, thick, loomy soil in the desert. And they live up in the spinifex grassroots. And they're just they're very, very cool species that I've always wanted to have. And I just never pulled the trigger on it. And, uh, and now I did. So well, the pattern yeah. the pattern reminds me of uh, are they panther geckos? Yeah, it? yeah, it's, it's similar to that. It, it basically, honestly, it looks like a, a a smooth knobtail with more pixelation, more rosettes uh, to the to the back of the body, and then the tail is not as broad. It's more tapered. Um, it's not as heart shaped. It's more like um, almost pear shaped, and uh, the segments of the tail are more defined. The, the pigment on the tail is much lighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that line, that vertebral line. So, like, anybody who likes striped animals, like, you don't get a better stripe than that. Some of them, the stripe's broken. Some of them, the stripe is bone solid. Other ones, the stripe kind of branches off into, like, a, a network of veins. So, they're pretty cool, man. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. Legit stoked. They're pretty cool, dude. If I was keeping things with legs, they'd probably be in there. Yeah, man. I hope uh, I hope they go well. Oh. Yes. Hello. Camera is off. Camera is off. 
Hello. Oh, yeah. I think I got it. <laughs> okay. Do I try to sign? Oh, yeah. I can go. Don't edit this out. <laughs> We're technically uh, very adept here. I was going to say, I've seen but, the stuff you guys are making. There's no way you don't know how to work a phone. Yeah. Oh, well, you'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> well. All right. We we are we are recording. It is right, it is well, going. So Yeah. We like to just jump right in here at THP. Baptism by fire. That's right. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds like twenty twenty. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, so what's going on? How we doing? Oh, just finishing up dinner. Well, pizza, basically. Pizza. Yeah. Pizza's Ooh. dinner. 2020 is also uh-huh. It's done. Well. I have so many Pizza Hut points from 2020. It's disgusting. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was trying it's to use definitely... them at Daytona. <laughs> I, know, I was going to use them at Daytona. I forgot. We were just so inebriated and enjoying ourselves that it slipped my mind. <laughs> But I have to use them before, like, Christmas because they do expire, I guess, at the new year. So I'm going to have to throw some kind of 10-person party where Dude, everyone gets their own pizza. Use them when you come to the to the wedding. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. We could do that. We'll have a pizza party at the Scar Shop. That actually sounds like a fantastic that idea. That does sound like a very good idea. I like that very much. Um, so we kind of told everybody... Um, who you guys are, and I i believe I pronounce it's last name's Hod, right? It's actually Howdy. It ah. looks like Hod. So. I like that more, anyways. I honestly like it more, too. Yeah, I've had to endure an, uh, you know, a life full of Howdy, Howdy Duties, and <laughs> all that kind of good stuff, but you know, we've made it. I just inherited it, so it's kind of a new yeah. thing. Yeah. Hey, you knew going in. That's all I got to say. The question is, did you actually did you actually ever watch Howdy Doody or no? I did not. I've never seen such a thing. I've oh, heard some of references, and I'm like, hey, that's awesome. I have no idea what you're playing. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's a horrible show, as the 21st yeah. century would show you, but uh, but it's cool to look back and watch it. Yeah, I know. Shame on me. I, I've got to see it. No culture. I know. Uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, I like we have the outline. I didn't really know if you guys wanted to get into sort of the typical, like how you got into reptiles, or if you just kind of wanted to jump straight into like the focus cube stuff. Because um, I know, I mean, like, I, I, if I can interrupt, I want to kind of know the backstory because I know, I guess Ashley just posted a picture recently of her with like a black dragon, and then I guess another picture of her when she was a kid with some other lizard. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the reptile history runs deep with me. It's uh, I, yeah. Has it always been but lizards on, though? Justin, sorry. Can I, you guys hear us? Okay. Yeah. Y- yeah. Okay. Cool. I was just making sure we weren't too far from the phone. No, you're good. Steven might be, but I think oh. you're all right. Oh. Okay. You might want to move forward. Ugh. I tried to get a room that wasn't too echoey. Such effort. Don't be scared. 
but yeah, um, that the picture with me was I was like in a velvet purple shirt. <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> that was with uh, actually a rescue iguana that my my father he's a he's an HPD officer, and he found that iguana in Memorial Park in Houston in December, and he chased him and got him. So it was basically somebody's pet, probably that they let him go because he was actually quite tame once we got him home. And uh, I was like seven years old and uh, I just had this huge iguana and we just became best friends. And that was actually our Christmas card that year in like 1994, I believe. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, the, that was a, a, a crazy, not wild caught, but wild iguana that was in, uh, in Houston City <laughs> Park. And it was a male? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a big male. He was actually, he, so you know how iguanas have like the, the bad rap, at least the males during the breeding season, they go nuts. Well, he yeah. was actually, I had him for years and he was really chill. I mean, I had other iguanas in the house and I would, I would take him out and had a little leash and I would walk him in the yard. I mean, I was the coolest kid in the neighborhood. I was a geek with. I mean, it really depended who, uh, who I was talking to. Yeah, yeah definitely the weirdest yeah my uh, lizard on, on a leash. But yeah, he was actually super cool. So and back then in the 90s, like I had no idea. I was a kid. I had a cool lizard on a leash. Yeah, my experience... Right, better than you. My experience with iguanas is pretty limited. So Yeah, well now, like, anytime I'm around an iguana, I'm like, man, I don't know how I had such a good time. I had four of them when I was a kid. I had two that my parents uh, got for me for Christmas uh, or for my birthday. Um, that I had to save up for for an entire year, and then the other two was one was lucky. He was the big one that was uh, from the park, and then a neighborhood uh, friend gave me another one that was, you know, typical 90s. It was a uh, incandescent light and no heat, no nothing. It was just this, you know, lizard in a 10-gallon tank, and uh, that thing was mean. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I would not want to be like I've seen pictures of bites from grown iguanas and they are really gnarly. Well, they do the death roll. Yeah. Like tigers tend to do, they do the death roll, and if they get a finger, I mean, yeah, you're for a vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I I would probably not want to mess with an iguana. I'd rather monitors are so much more intelligent that I probably want to deal with one of them that was uh you know meaner than an iguana. Yeah. Phil, did you ever keep any iguanas? No. Did you ever um, do any large lizards? Yeah, I did a bunch of monitors back in the day. I had black throats, and I had I had black throats, which I got to a decent size, got them tame, and then went up like giving them to friends who wanted like a big tame lizard. Um, and then uh, I wound up doing a bunch of Doomerel monitors. I had a bunch of Doomerels monitors. Oh, that's cool. Everyone always yeah, everyone always dogged them, man, because you know they they're born with these crazy orange heads and the beautiful banding mm -hmm. on their back, and they grow up to just be like turd brown. And I liked yep. it. I liked it because they're so mangrove estuary based lizards that I had like big fake vines with water in the tank. And I used to feed them live crayfish and just watch them hunt crayfish underwater. It was like super cool. But I wound up getting rid of them because uh, just space and moving and everything else. But I, I had doomerels for a while. I mean, they're not giant lizards, but. But I would consider them bigger than a beard dragon, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I feel like even with the smaller species, like, that's a that's a pretty big spatial commitment, even if it's just Ackies, you know? Like, they're, even the small yeah. ones need, need a lot of space. Oh, yeah. 
Because, I mean, Ashley, you guys have, uh, you have a water monitor and some other stuff. And, I mean, that, that enclosure for your water monitor is pretty decent size. Yeah, we actually have four water monitors. <laughs> Not they any more space. The they, yes. they, they, don't, they don't pay the mortgage, but they live here. Well, sure. <laughs> someday, hopefully, they don't pay the mortgage. Um, yeah, they take up le legit two rooms of the house. That's nuts. That's awesome. So, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. It, there's a greenhouse inside my house. And I try and explain that to people who don't know, I guess, about an animal that like that or that size. And it, I mean, it's total insanity. I mean, they have, they have taken over the house. It is crazy. <laughs> now, like when you say greenhouse, do you mean you just converted the room into a single enclosure? Or did you put like a pop-up greenhouse as an enclosure in the room? Well, it's not like, it's actually like a legit greenhouse. So it's not one of those like grow tents, you know, like it's really popular with the Tegu crowd. Mm -hmm. it's right, actually, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a full size, like eight by 10 by 10 greenhouse. Yeah, we wow. have this awesome like back patio that's sheet rocked in. Uh, it's, it's, you know, AC insulated. It's awesome. And uh, it used to have like this little swing you hang out and like, you know, look at the backyard in it. And we've since ripped all that crap down and we put a giant greenhouse in there and a dinosaur lives in it. So it's actually pretty cool. That's super awesome. Yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's where my female lives. And the black dragon, he's got his own, uh, like, double-decker enclosure. He's got a duplex, mm -hmm. yeah, in the room next to it. Yeah. And then the uh, the other two are younger. They're uh, they're still growing out. So, fortunately, they haven't gotten the room size enclosures yet. But it's coming. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen. That's I great. saw the pictures of the the blacks enclosure because you you sent in an article for the magazine. Uh, that four issues back? Uh, that had pictures of of sort of your setup and the things you do for them. And it's, I mean, it's it's awesome. I yeah, wish he, I had the space to commit to to something like that because I probably would have some of the smaller species of monitors if I just had the room for them. Well, I'm I'm super interested in Aki's, but that's you know for for another discussion. But um, but as far as the water monitors, they, I, I love seeing how they interact with the environment. So you know, think about Aki's, they have space to climb on and like stuff to interact with, and it's just really neat. And these kind of like experiments. So like some of them are in fully bioactive, some of them are in more like a like a, a, a cocoa not a cocoa husk, but more cocoa husk kind of setup, and seeing how uh, they hold humidity and just kind of experimenting with it. But fortunately, in the small enclosures, it works out. Fortunately, for water monitors, they go to the bathroom and they water, and you basically just have to have, I just upgraded to a pond bath, so I'm super excited about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they go to the bathroom and the water, so you really don't have to have any kind of system change as long as you have the correct humidity levels and it doesn't get moldy. But they dig and they turn up the dirt so much that it gets. Properly aerated without any work. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. That's. I mean, that's the other part of, of why I probably don't have monitors just because of how you know messy they are and it's just snakes spoil you. You know. They do. Yeah, we've got a couple snakes, and uh, yeah, the 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 ones we twice or ones that we see nice, the uh, the monitors and the geckos and the baby dragons. They take hours every single day. Oh, snakes are so much easier. Oh, God, they're so simple. They're just such easy animals. I do love the snakes, yeah. They're, they're great. So you guys have the monitors. You have the other stuff. Uh, Steven, have you always been into into reptiles too? 
Uh, this is kind of a new thing for me. This is something I apparently have married into. <laughs> um, nice. My first experience with with Ashley, we actually have like lived within a few miles of each other our whole lives. So we went to the same elementary school, we went to the same middle school, same high school. My first memory of Ashley is actually standing behind our elementary school. Uh, she was she was a different kind of kid. Um, I first saw her holding a small frog that she found outside. She was brandishing it, showing everyone this cool frog. And I just remember it peeing all over her, and she was so upset. And I said, this girl is a disgusting <laughs> weirdo. And uh, <laughs> I don't know who would ever do such a thing. And then, you know, 800 years later, we're married. So that was kind of a, a weird turn of events that led to all that. What a freak. Yeah, that's a super yeah. cool story, though. That is an awesome story. Yeah, that's fun. That's one of our favorite stories to tell because it's it's it literally that's exactly oh, she's what she's for real. She's not some kind of like oh you know I think I need to be part of this reptile community and you know try and sell a couple animals and eat it. She's all about it. I mean, from her little weird purple shirt days with her iguanas <laughs> to the pink frogs, I mean she she is freaking on it. Yeah, yeah, reptiles have always been a part of my life. Thanks for like I wrote me article. Thanks to my family for like supporting that. They never did. Nobody in my family ever did that. So I was, I was like the lone wolf. And I just, I rolled with it. I was having so much fun and I enjoyed it so much that, I mean, it's become part of my life now. And I'm, I'm very thankful. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny because my fiance and I, like, we went to high school together. And if you had told us, you know, 10 years ago that we'd be getting married, I would have laughed and laughed and laughed because we did not <laughs> like each other in high school. <laughs> at all yeah it was definitely yeah we're kind of on different planets and then everything kind of aligned and uh it's yeah it's it's been a it's a crazy ride it's worked out <laughs> yeah it's, it's been good it's weird how it happens yeah that, that is weird because i i honestly don't talk to crap maybe i talked to like two people i went to high school with maybe if that and it's like once every couple months like hey how are you are you still alive you know <laughs> oh yeah for sure like that's we we very ha have a very small social life especially now since with the business we we we're always working but yeah like as far as people from our high school i don't think anybody would would remember us no the people i knew in high school i still know today and there's probably like like you say two of them and that's all i ever needed yeah it's and funny because up with him today you know oh nice that's awesome i i had my high school reunion and it was funny that they tried to they tried to you know use a facebook group to make it and they made this oh it's going to be at this hotel bar and it's ninety dollars uh -huh. admission, and we're like, well, if it's at a hotel bar, it's an open, it's a it's a free walk-in bar. Why would we pay ninety dollars? And sure as crap, the only ten people I still talked to at the time, those were the only ones that showed up. So it really didn't matter. <laughs> they could have been drinking in the parking lot for free, you know? Right? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. And they were still like, oh, you still play with snakes? I was like, yeah, kinda. <laughs> yeah, in a way. But you guys have been crazy busy with the business. I mean, how's that? How's that been? Oh, that's been total insanity. I mean, it's. I would have never guessed that we would have had the reception that we have. But people are on it. I mean, apparently there's a huge demand for aesthetically, you know, aesthetically pleasing closures that are, you know, also good for your animal. Mm -hmm. So it's it has been totally wild. My phone 
I mean, from being not antisocial, but knowing, you know, two people and you never hear from anybody ever. I mean, my phone blows up all day, all night. I mean, it never quits. It is, it is totally crazy how much this has grown in like what, seven months yeah, or something? It's, it's, I mean, like I said, we're pretty much like wide eyed at this point. Like, it's been seven days a week, 95 hour weeks. Uh, for both of us, for mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. I mean, like I said, we were just you know trying to cram down dinner at uh, at nine o'clock, and uh, and we're still like endless amounts of work. Yeah, and that has nothing to do with the podcast. I mean, that's just kind of every evening. It's like, uh, what are we making for dinner? So I call the Domino's Day. We call the Domino's Day. It's getting <clears throat> it's getting kind of muffled again. Yeah, yeah. that's and weird. Like. It's right next to us, like we're only a foot away. Huh. Is that any better? Yeah. Oh, that's ten times better. Okay. I don't know if it's like the way that the like phone microphone is pointed at you guys. It could be like the it it's picking up background stuff too. Are you guys using like a headset or something? No, we're just we're oh, okay. in a room. It's it's you it's know dead silent in here. Yeah, it's super it's silent. Creepily quiet. That's yeah. what's weird. I don't know if like the internet they're actually doing a bunch of digging outside. Our yards are all torn up, so that may have something to do with it. But hopefully the internet stays stays going. It's always something. <laughs> it could be just the mic picking up like reverberation off the walls or something. But yeah, air conditioner or something. Who knows. It's the same thing we have. Every time we talk to Casey Cannon, his phone gets all digital. Every time. Well, he's in like the middle of nowhere. That's his problem. That's true. I'm pretty sure it's our internet. It's we we're in a a place where there's only one provider, and the one provider is super shitty. So uh, that's really what (laughs) we got. That's an accurate statement. Yeah, that's what we have to work with. What's tearing up the yard now is actually a fiber optic company that's trying to take over, and we were like, "Yes, tear up our yard, please give us something else." They charge us (laughs) out, you know, they charge us a ton, and it's horrible service. So, yeah, so that's maybe what's happening. So we apologize for that. We're we're hoping to fix that within the next whenever they finish with these fiber optics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, everyone can just bear with us then, and life, yeah, right? life will go on. Um, but but yeah, yeah, as far as like being busy, we're it's it's you know hundred miles an hour constantly. It's been crazy to watch it go. Like I remember when you guys kind of first showed up, and I remember seeing the cages, be like, "Oh, this is this is cool. Like this is." Like, I didn't think somebody could do this with cages and, like, make them actually look awesome. And so to see it just yeah. accelerate as much as it has, it's just been wild. It's like industrial meets Art Deco meets practical. That, that's actually pretty – that's pretty clever, actually. Yeah, because it's still functional. It's like I've heard, you know, some feedback about seeing the, the hardware from the front, seeing the screws around the perimeter. It's like – I actually prefer that because it looks more mechanical. You see what's happening. Right. Just you, right. You, you've got a big old flat front. It's just black, and then there's just a square door. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of boring. I mean, having those, you know, screws all the way around the front, and you can get them in the black oxide. You can do the stainless steel. You can get brass. I mean, it's an opportunity to, to customize your enclosure, and it just looks freaking cool. Yeah. I would agree. You can make it, uh, you can make it, you know, steampunk, or you can make it, you know, professional laboratory. However you want to do it, I like it. Yeah, that's what's so fun is to see how you know people custom design their enclosures. So whenever I get an order, the the most exciting part is opening it up just to see what kind of color combos they did, logo colors they did, 
if they did any kind of front color, side windows. I mean, people come up with some super cool stuff. It's actually super impressive. And half the time I'll see a, a list of options. I'm like, this is going to look weird as crap. And sure enough, you put it together and it's, it's stupidly cool. Nice. Yeah, I was yeah, really impressed when I went to go like peruse the website the first time and the drop down menus. It's like, wow, there's so many options, like legit customization. I love it. Yeah, and we've cut back a lot. Like we could, I'm sure, double that. So a lot of the times, if there's something that you want that you don't see on the website, if you message us, we can make it happen. But at a certain point, you know, you've got to kind of limit the drop downs because it is like endless the amount of stuff you can do or change or modify and there's a lot of options. Well, how did how did you guys get into, like, what made you guys decide to start making cages? Well, half of it was I watched a YouTube video of a guy who did computer case modding, and he was building distribution plates for, like, GPUs and CPUs and stuff. I'm like, you know what? I want to try and make one of these. So I watched some, like, YouTube videos on this little CNC machine that he used and the little program that he used to make these distro plates. I said, screw it. I'm going to buy a small CNC and I'm going to try and make this freaking little computer part. Well, you know, here it is. You know, almost a year later, I paid no computer part and I started making the enclosures instead. So I was like, you know, I bet I can make a box with this thing. I just, I kept trying. I worked with the program. I worked with the little CNC and I just kept cutting stuff, screwing it up, and then it kind of turned into this. It's a, like a weird, hilarious accident. That's wild. Because, I mean, like I was saying before you guys came in, like Phil jumped on, like I really didn't, like I thought we had pretty much done everything we could do as far as caging goes. You know, I feel like there's there really wasn't any reinventing the wheel in a sense. Like you make a box, you have a door. Like, that was kind of it. And it was like, yeah, I'm sure you could do, like, engraving and stuff and at least kind of church it up a little bit. But, like, the stuff you guys did, it was like, whoa, this is, like, this is, no one's sort of gone this far with it as far as making it look really cool and sort of having, uh, you know, the options to make it match a room or, you know, make it more decor rather than sort of just a utility, you know, practical standpoint, like something that's also not only practical but also, like, aesthetically pleasing. That's yeah. one of the things, like, when we started, so we kind of started messing with it back last October 2019, so about a year ago, uh, started kind of messing with the little CNC, and man, I, one day we're going to release some of the early stuff that we messed with. I mean, it is, it's amazingly awful. It's hilarious to <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff that we thought of, we're like, this is going to be so cool, and then we, like, look back on it now, we're like, oh my god, we've we thought that was going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this will be a good idea. I tried to make some squares, and I tried to, like, adhere them together, and I thought, this is beautiful. And sure enough, yeah. none of it fit. I mean, I, I had hell trying to make a, a square. A square. So, I, I mean, I don't come from a machining background. I, I had to teach myself how to use a program, a CNC machine, and this little Yeah. Well, it's yeah. like the Brady 
breeding but I come from like the breeding background and at least in my experience like the reptile breeders were all very um, kind of there's enough room for everything like there's all kinds of gecko breeders all kinds of modern breeders snake breeders and it's like everybody is kind of on the same page and everybody is, is moving towards advancing you know the husbandry and breeding the animals and, and enjoying talking with them that's kind of like i, I feel like that with the enclosures there's a place for everybody there's lots of enclosure meetings and you know you kind of respect how everybody goes their own way like everybody almost doesn't like it's easy to say that everybody needs spots but everybody does their own certain way and i think that's Please remain on the line as we value your call. So, so we're back. The last thing. Yeah, right. go ahead. The last thing that we heard you say appropriately was talking about how you were playing around in CAD and trying not to make it just a box in terms of like spacing the screws out, you know, to make it a little more unique looking and not so traditional up, down, left, right. And uh, that's where I think that's where we left off, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the last thing I remember saying. <laughs> yeah, cool. Let me ask you, how did you guys come up with the splatter paint looking design? Yeah. What, what, what brought that together? I, I love offensive colors. I'm like a giant child. So if it's bright colored and ridiculous <laughs> looking, I'm all about it. So I just have, I guess I, I grew up in the kind of mid nineties, I guess. So I have a lot of early you know, youthful memories of ridiculous colors and that kind of old school splatter. So I, I just had to include it. So it, it's semi-offensive. It's bright. It's dumb. I like it. That's Plus brilliant. We, we do that, too, with like non, you know, 90s ridiculous neon colors, too. So we've actually built some black enclosures with like two-tone red splatter. It looks like a, you know, ridiculous murder scene. I mean, it's it's freaking cool. Yeah, I'm a huge Miami Vice nerd, and I always wanted a pet alligator named Elvis that I could put in like a pastel room. <laughs> I want to. I should get one that's white with the red splatter on it, and that's what I should put Problem Child in. You really should. That'd be brilliant. Make you guys do like a like a zombie handprint on it or something. Oh, now that'd be clever. Yeah, it's like it's like if Patrick Bateman had a chondro. <laughs> that's what I should have <laughs> named him. You should have named him. Yeah. God, he's an ass. So that splatter paint, like, uh, forgive me for not, you know, having mm -hmm. not seen one in person, but is it mm -hmm. like a, a, like an enamel that you guys just kind of throw on there, or is there like a rhyme or reason to it? Is it, is it, is it a particular kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word paint if that's the wrong word. No, it's actually like super scientific. We take um, acrylic paint because that's what bonds best to PVC. Mm -hmm. um, I take random sticks and I fling it everywhere. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so each one's a little different, and you know, we typically, hopefully one day we'll release all the videos, but I think most of them we've splattered, we've GoPro'd, and you can see a, you know, a, a plain black or white enclosure, and we just we screw it all up with, with paint. That's so fun. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like with the reptiles, it's, some of them look like they're splatter painted, like some of the, the, uh, the geckos and everything, and it's like, you know, wouldn't people like something that's kind of equal? And I think that's where a lot of the uh, the idea of the enclosures came from is the animals that are inside of them are so beautiful. Like it's 
to display them in in a way that that matches their beauty you know so like people can customize it in any way like i breed the crested geckos and some people like the monochromatic like me and then other people like the reds and the lily whites and you have all different types of like customization options for the enclosures to match the animals that you keep in them and i think that's really a huge thing and a huge uh uh positive to it instead of you know a black or white box and there's nothing wrong with a black or white box i've you know i've kept animals for 25 years and those those are great but there's there's a part of the market that i think really could um benefit from the customization like you said with all the drop downs everybody kind of gets the the you know what they want so with the animals that they breed or they keep they get to match that and it gets to be a part of their home you know it's with these reptiles, they're a part of your life, so why not, you know, display them beautifully, you know? Well, it's a lot like vivariums, you know? It, it becomes much more of, like, a conversation piece. You know, it's much more, instead of being like, oh, that's, like, you just keep your snakes in a white box or black box. It's, like, it's it's almost a piece of art in a sense. Well, and that's a big part of what we were trying to do, too. It's like, you know, I didn't grow up with reptiles, so it's like when you're exposed to them, especially, you know, during the 90s and stuff, it was some sad-looking bearded dragon in an aquarium under a weird, you know, McDonald's fry-warming red light. You know, and it was like, well, we we need to move away from that because these animals are so much cooler than that. And that's kind of, you know, non-reptile people's perspective. They think that's just what they are. And it's like, well, if you're going to have a, you know, a unique animal in your home on display, the enclosure should kind of be part of your house too. It should be part of the, the whole experience. So if you make a nice looking enclosure, maybe a non reptile person will come and, you know, check out your enclosure, see what's going on there. And they'll have kind of a, a new perspective on what's inside. Yeah. It's got to match the motif. Yep. The, um, it's, and with the, I, I don't know if they caught this earlier, but as far as like the different types of enclosures, it really it, it comes down to you know what are you looking for we try to be um try to kind of get the broad range of everything so somebody can get a plain white enclosure and do you know basically like the ice look or you can have a you know a, a murdered out black enclosure you don't have to go with a crazy splatter but the crazy splatter is awesome like we we like every single one of the builds and like whenever we see uh, you know, an order come in, it's exciting to to see what somebody came up with. Like, everybody's creativity, it's it's really neat to see the individual um, selections that everybody has. Mm-hmm. It's, it's they, they kind of, like, express their personality through the enclosure. And it's really something simple, but it means a lot. And I think that these reptiles mean a lot to people. I know they mean a lot to me, so that's kind of, like, our, uh, like, like, theory that, that, has, I guess, proliferated into our work from, you know, having the animals for, for so long. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also because Stephen wasn't really in it early on, kind of like you, like that sort of gives him a, a sort of an, not necessarily an outsider, but a different perspective than other people in the hobby where, you know, any of us, if you just got a, you know, a regular PVC, be it black or white, whatever, you know, just a cube, <clears throat> And be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. But then if you have someone like Steven who comes in and says, you know, yeah, it's just in a box. Like, you can make this cooler, though. And here's, you know, you have like a you have a different set of eyes and different sort of perspective and angle to look at it from. 
Well, yeah, I think of it kind of from the outside. It's like, okay, if I wanted to, you know, make this animal look unique or stick out or have people more interested in it, how would I have an enclosure to display it? And that's kind of where we've gone. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's exactly what you say there. And so as far as the, I mean, if Steven, are you doing most of the design then? And then you guys are both building. Is there like shared sort of design, like creativity like wise as far as, I mean, if it's only well, two of you, I assume pretty much you're both involved in just about every aspect of it. Yeah. Cause I do the, I do the design work. So I sit at the computer, I do all the CAD, I do all the cam. So I program all the, you know, machine tool paths. Um, I run the machine and I do most of the enclosure assembly. Uh, Ash will help me like pack stuff. She keeps up with the orders. She kind of does the accounting. Um, and she just makes sure I'm not like falling behind on stuff and helps me out <laughs> when I need it. So some of that stuff's heavy and I need help picking it up. So mm-hmm. she's a, she's a machine. So if I need a, a you know, a worker, she's on it. That's awesome. Nice. The, uh, on, when you're doing the machining and stuff, mm-hmm. like, is it is it a major tool change? Do you have automation at all? Is it or is it the all tool kind changes of just... are still manual? So I do like okay. a couple tool changes. Um, so the program that I have, it'll actually stop the machine. It shuts it down. It prompts a tool change, and I got to old school manually change it. Um, and I you know measure the new tool height, and then I keep running the program. So it's it'd be better with a tool changer, but you know that's probably another six or seven grand. So <laughs> for oh, now, yeah. I keep changing bits out, and we're still rolling. That, and you know, man, I, I always commend guys like you that are doing the manual tool change in terms of you know measuring five times, cutting once, you know. And uh, I, I like that, like the the hands onness of it. Yeah, and the 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 first time you don't double check something is when it's going to bite you. I mean, I've broken plenty of bits. I've learned a lot over the last you know seven or nine months or whatever it is. I've screwed up tons of stuff. I have left the machine unattended, and it's had a few weird um issues i guess you could say and it's destroyed a bunch of stuff i mean you've got to stay on top of it a lot of people think you just you know walk out there you turn the cnc on and you hit a button and it just cuts an enclosure out for you and that is definitely not what happens (laughs) let me ask you, you 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 don't have to answer this but did you crash your first machine oh i've crashed all of them so many times (laughs) okay that that, yeah i've forgotten i mean i've done uh tool changes before and I go to measure the Z height and I forget to ground the tool and it's just bashing into the probe plate. And I'm like, staring at it, just watching this terrible event occur. And my little brain's trying to figure out what do I do now? And I'm like, Oh yeah, big red button, go smash the big red button. Stop stupid. Yeah. Don't try and (laughs) grab it with your hands. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's the first thing you're like, and then you figure out to smash the button, start over. And if you've ever got an issue, you just need to start over. You use, you can sometimes pick up, I guess, you know, mid tool path, but you might as well just rerun it and and just you know burn the time and make sure it's right. Nice. How and did did you did you write all the uh, I don't want to call them I don't want to use the wrong terminology, but did you write all the tool paths for like your probe checks and stuff, or was that like is that something that the machine knows what it's doing in that regard? Whenever I like program um, all the tool paths, whenever I switch tools. In the program, it automatically knows, and it will shut the spindle and the machine down. So it's cool. it's, it's a whole lot easier than having to like manually run all the G code. So I'm nice. done. With, I you know it just it's the program smart enough to know what I'm doing, and it'll shut it down. Awesome. Awesome. How, how steep was the learning curve as far as the software and everything? Because I've heard the CADs, you know, with the 3D printers and stuff. Like there is 
there is stuff to be learned. Like it's not something you can sort of just pick up and run with. Like it's something you really have to kind of take, I guess, practice with. Ooh, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same stuff. Um, I mean, it runs off G code. It's the same kind of idea. You're not. It's not an additive process. So you're not running like you know a slicer program. You're actually taking material away. Mm-hmm. And there are so many little subtle nuances. Even if you kind of understand. You know, the whole process of cutting something, there are so many little minute details you are not going to realize until you're out there cutting something. So it is, there's quite a bit of a learning curve. So I've, like I said, I've screwed up a ton of stuff. I remember the first time I cut my first slot. That was the first thing I ever see in seed. It was like a six inch line. I mean, I could have cried. It was so beautiful. I had worked so hard (laughs) to get this one line and I was so stoked to have it. And, you know, since then it's turned into these ridiculous double inset frosted acrylic fronts and cnc pockets to fit screw heads and it's it's if you just stay at it all day every day you can figure it out but you've got to grind at it i'm or if you're i guess super smart you can figure it out but i'm kind of a dummy so it's been painful for me but we've we've burned a lot of material we've broken a lot of bits but we got it figured out i think for now well, nice. I mean, it's impressive you, um... that you did all that on the fly because, I mean, just like I said, in the amount of time that you guys have been doing it, it's, I mean, just from the pictures alone, it looks like the quality is, you know, build construction-wise looks really sharp. Oh, yeah. Well, when I first started doing this, I was working a full-time job. So, I mean, I was I was actually an F&I guy at a motorcycle dealership. So, I you know, I ran credit apps, I, I booked deals, I did all that stuff. And in the evenings, I'd come home and I'd play with this little CNC machine and I'd screw stuff up. I'd get mad. I'd try again later, and I just kept going on and on. And sure enough, as soon as the you know, COVID stuff hit, they actually just cut our hours. They said, everybody, go home. Um, you may or may not be employed. We don't know how long this is going to last. You know, good luck. And sure enough, well, the you know, our GM brought us on a couple hours a day to work. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? I've been playing with the CNC. I've gotten semi-decent at making these, you know, little lizard boxes. Um, And I I finally realized that, you know, there's no security really anywhere. You work a regular job, I mean, that could be taken away from you just as fast as anything. So Mm -hmm. I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I kind of want to be in control of my own destiny. And I know it wasn't going to be easy, but I ended up, you know, if month or so later, I just quit that job and said, you know what, if somebody's going to tell me no, it's going to be, you know, because I screwed up or something. It's not going to be because just, you know, weird circumstances kicked me out. So I'm going to do everything I can to to make it on my own. And I mean, that's what we've been doing since. I've had like, you know, probably three whole days off in the last however many months we've been grinding at this. So I'd much rather be in control of my life than somebody else. Yeah, and it's funny you say that, too, because there was a speech that Jim Carrey did a while back where he said pretty much that exact same thing. He said, you can fail at something you, you don't enjoy just as much as you can something you do. Yeah, in my old yeah. job, it wasn't bad, but at the end of the day, when I went home, I never felt like, you know, wow, I really did something today. Um, you know, with these things, I can step back and look at it and go, holy moly, mm-hmm. I just made that. It was a thing that came from my brain. I smashed it out on a keyboard with my fingers, and then I screwed it together, and holy moly, this is stupid cool. It's great. How big, like when you say it's a small CNC machine, I mean, I'm not too hip to how these things look or operate. I mean, I've seen pictures online, but I mean, how Mm -hmm. big are you talking about? Like how big is the, the one you guys are using? Well, my first one, it would do a maximum of 30 inches. 
So that's when we first started, we were making sub 30 inch enclosures. And of course, everybody wanted a 36 plus, but I couldn't make it. So <laughs> what happened is, is we just started making a crap load of like cubes, 24 cubes. And for some reason, the like arboreal snake community just latched yeah. onto them. Well, I mean, you're dealing um, with chondro guys, man. They're they're like, mm-hmm. they're not going to just throw them into something simple. I mean, at least the guys with like the really high end stuff, like they're really going to ball well, out and and yeah those snakes are so gorgeous it's like yeah. you gotta have something to match that like they're it's 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 crazy how beautiful they are and and we've really we've been into the arboreal snakes and it's just like now we really get to respect how much time is put into them and like that's where we come from that's why the enclosure we feel like it needs to match that like that's it's so amazing how much um I guess research and time and effort. Like you know, we were saying earlier that snakes are so easy, but I'm like, if you're breeding them, there there's a lot of time and passion put into that. And the guys that are so passionate about it, that's that's where we're at. We're like we're passionate about making these enclosures and reptiles themselves. And it's like, I guess that's why you know the the chondro the the arboreal community latched onto it because like we kind of have the same mindset mm-hmm. whether it be enclosures or animals like it it both meshes together perfectly yeah as soon as i saw like the cubes and stuff i was like man chondro guys are gonna lose their minds over this <clears throat> yeah the the carbon fiber perches i think is what screwed everybody up because uh, i remember the first time we went to a show and we had a 24 cube with some, I think they were like 20 millimeter carbon perches. I mean, everybody stopped and looked at it. And I mean, the first show we didn't sell any, but my God, we had just a crowd of people just constantly looking, checking. They didn't know us. They hadn't seen us. They kind of acknowledged us to move on. But I'm like, there's something to this. Yeah, that was the February Repticon. Uh huh. That was right before COVID hit. That uh-huh. was, yeah. Uh-huh. Those are, yeah, that's some, I remember talking to people because we, we come from an automotive background. So we've done the motorcycles, we ride the, the jet skis and, and have done drifting and, and kind of the automotive thing. And the carbon fiber really kind of fit in with one, the aesthetic, but two, how durable it is. It's oh, actually definitely. the way that, that you know, Stephen, uh, he, he does them all by hand. Uh, and, and the care that's gone into it, it really fits, you know, with the type of animals and the aesthetic and everything, but it's actually super durable and it's also, you know, selectable in size. So it's like, it really fell in with the entire, you know, uh, uh, idea of what we were trying to go for. Plus, you know, we got to have our own like Steven splatter and and the carbon fiber and stuff. We kind of got to have our little, you know, automotive passion that goes along with the reptiles and it just adds, you know, kind of our own little signature to it. Mm -hmm. And how do you guys do, like, when you engrave the, the Focus Cube logo on the front, how do you guys do the different colors? Because I saw one the other day that was, like, almost, like, rainbow colored. We've actually got, like, a ton of different color options as far as, like, the logos go. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually got um, uh, a vinyl plotter. So a lot of those are just, you know, vinyl plotted images. So we'll take, like, I mean, it's essentially a super fancy decal that goes on the front. Oh. And it goes from, you know, satin black to chrome gold to uh, holographic reflective. I mean, it's anything in between. But we have a ton of options for those. Same thing with the hardware. I mean, you can get the uh, stainless steel. You can get the brass. You can get the black oxide-coated stainless steel. We have a ton of doorknob options. I mean, there's 
there's a lot of colors that you don't have to pay for that you can get. So it's just kind of included with every one. You can select all that mm-hmm. stuff and kind of make it your own in, in a black or white enclosure. And how hard has it been to source all that? Like, do you guys have issues where you, you have, like, one color or style that's very popular, but then for whatever reason, you know, it's back-ordered through the company you get it through? Like, how do you guys just keep up with all that? Well, before COVID, it was no big deal. And then afterwards, I mean, it hit the fan, man. Like, trying to find stuff and keep up with it and get the same thing twice is is super, super hard. Um, we run into shortages of stuff all the time. So when we can find something, I mean, we just buy piles of it. So we're trying to stay ahead of the curve, but right now everything is so, so weird. Yeah. We're doing our best to, to stay consistent and make sure the stuff we're getting is good. Have you thought about cutting your own screws or making your own hardware? You know, that's that'd be a whole nother set of equipment that I don't have. I was going to say, that so, sounds like a lot of, lot of work for nothing. Yeah, but I mean, if, like, if, I don't know if you're doing, I don't know if you have like a pallet system on the CNC or not, but like, I know a lot of guys that, you know, they have a hard time getting a particular screw because of the material it's made of or the color, or whatever, you know, they get a pallet racking system for the CNC and, you know, they, they make their own screws for lack of a better word. I didn't know if you did something similar to that. No, like uh, pretty much all the hardware stuff I can buy. Um, that's actually leveled out a whole whole bunch. We've had some weird like little screws here and there that weren't coated as well as they should have been and stuff like that. You've just got to watch what you get in. So you've got to definitely double check it and make sure what they're sending you is actually what you've paid for. But, you know, as far as making screws and stuff like that, that'd be way too time consuming, especially as squished as we already are. No, I got you. It makes sense. And so... You guys, I mean, you have a ton of options as far as, like, sizes and stuff, but um, do you have, like, have you had things that are more catered to, say, like, do you do you go into designing some of these with, with the sort of a direction in mind as far as, like, okay, we're going to make this and it's going to be more catered to, uh, you know, lizards, is this going to be more catered to snakes? Because I know you do some of the mini ones that are probably very popular with, like, the tarantula people. Um so, I mean, do you have some that yeah, well, are sort of pre, not pre-made, but but they have a certain species or group of animals in mind? I guess kind of yes and no. Um, typically, like certain enclosure sizes really work for a, a certain size and style of animal, you know. You wouldn't want to put a, a bearded dragon in a, you know, two-by-two two cube, but you may not want to put a, you know, a, a neochondro in a, you know, four by two by two. Mm-hmm. So typically like the enclosure sizes kind of work towards a certain animal. So most people who've got like uh, interest in our four by two by two, they either have, it's been ball pythons and it's been bearded dragons. So we kind of, you know, find a few different options that work for those animals. So we have like a screen top that's available for it. If you need to add some kind of, you know, top heat from the outside of the enclosure, or we still have plenty of room and slots to fit, you know, uh, heat panels and, and UVBs for either of those animals. So kind of, sort of, yeah. Okay. Like some of them are, are almost pure, I guess, animal focused, like our little matrix, the 13 by 12 by 12. Mm-hmm. That is like a, you know, kind of a, a Neo special. Yeah. So we've actually got like a turnkey model that comes with a thermostat, it comes with the perches, and we've actually designed and developed a heated back for it because those are kind of too small to put like a traditional heat panel in it so we've actually developed a heated back um that that works in that size of enclosure so 
kind of sorta i guess would be the answer there nice yeah do you guys do like divided cages too you offered like dividers in like if i if you did a four by by two by two and someone wanted to like split that in half do you guys do dividers in most of those models is that like an option that's added like addable yep I'm actually working on that design right now. We've had probably two or three people in the last week order them with a divider. So what I've got to do is I've just got to figure out the programming to get the uh, divider in there in an intelligent way where you can remove it easily and it's Mm -hmm. not a nasty pain. So um, that is something that's coming super soon. We've just got to get it designed. That's awesome. Well, you know, that that being in mind, you know, my next question is going to be, what about shift boxes or trap boxes for stuff like Venomous? Well... We've been kind of sort of talking about doing some stuff like that. So we, we don't have any venomous here. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to design something and just hope willy nilly it works. So we've been kind <laughs> this will of, keep a mamba in place. No problem. I'm yeah, sure exactly. It. It's like, hey, man, this looks good in the computer program. Good luck. Um, sign this here saying you're not going to do nothing to me if a snake eats you. You know, nothing like that. Um, but, but I really want to have my figurative hands on a, a venomous snake before I design something that I'd say is, is good enough for, for one, you know, a hundred percent focus based. Well, gotcha. Steven, he's kind of like the, he does the design work and all the CNC and the CAD work, but where, you know, we kind of work as a team is I've had so much experience with the animals that we try to develop like something that is both uh, aesthetically pleasing and good for the animal. And, uh, like, I've kept so many so many things. But, like I said, Venomous is really something that we haven't. We've actually been talking about it. Fortunately, we live in Texas, and Texas is kind of like, well, the Wild Wild West. So it's not, <laughs> it's not difficult to, um, to really keep anything you want. Like, I've <laughs> – I would keep an alligator if I had the space. Right. Well, that's awesome that you're going to look forward to it. Yeah, well – Everybody who buys these enclosures, obviously, it's it's partially for them and it's partially for their animals. So we want to make sure that it is suitable for the animal before we just kind of put something on the market. So we really do any, you know, build that we have for something that is that we haven't kept, which is, you know, there's a ton of animals out there. Unfortunately, I've kept a lot of them and I continue to try to keep all kinds of animals. Went to uh, Stephen's, uh, <laughs> you know. All the time. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, not such a positive thing there, but yeah, we want to make sure that the animals are number one in the build while we, you know, have them aesthetically pleasing for the keeper where it can be a part of their home. Like it, it number one needs to, to, to take into account the animal. So like, you know, for beater dragons, you know, you have to have a certain type of humidity, a limited type of humidity and for, you know, chondros and, uh, you know, um, monitors and and even amphibians, we have a couple builds that have been uh, for amphibians. I actually have a uh, a Pac-Man frog that we're working on a build for. And every build, you know, it has different type of venting. And you can do if you do the the top vent, you know, where it's going to be placed in relation to the heat. And so it it ends up being a, a good environment for the animal itself. So, like I said, for venomous stuff, we would definitely like to uh, open a discussion with people because that's definitely another uh, frontier we would like to work with is, mm-hmm. is, you know, everybody's interested in all kinds of different things. So we want to kind of hit every part of the 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 community, I guess. Well, I'm sure Phil, nice. Phil would dis- would agree with me, but I mean, I feel like venomous stuff is a, is a place a lot of companies, you know, in the past have haven't wanted to go. 
because you know there's that liability aspect um right right but it's nice to see because i know there's there's like another company now that's focusing on venomous uh cages and stuff um so it is nice to see like hint like you guys you know wanting to focus on it and sean being able to do that stuff and uh you know buddy uh, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, uh, I love what you guys are doing, and uh, it, it, it's cool that you guys have that thought process of we don't want to just make something willy nilly. You know, you really want to put the thought into it and the craftsmanship into it, and that's that's awesome, man. That's why you guys are awesome. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we take a lot of feedback, so we're actually interested in what people think about the enclosures they get from us. It's not like, you know, I don't think that I know everything, and I'm going to sell you this box, and you know, if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. You know, tell right. me what you think about it. Tell me what, you know, you think should be different or what's your experience with it. And it's I think it's been a, a huge thing for us. That's kind of the, the best way to, to to prototype and test enclosures is to have people give you, you know, honest feedback on them. So the end most user definitely. is the most important. So if they have a not good experience with the unit, you need to be able to fix it so that other people can actually have a positive ex- experience and enjoy it and use it correctly. So. That, yeah. That's what we're all about. So tell us what you think, and we will update accordingly. Uh, so far, awesome. it's, been, it's been pretty cool. I mean, the people who buy stuff from us, they're super cool. Um, if there's ever been an issue, it's something we figure out, you know, back and forth with each other. And it's it's really helped, I think, make these things change so much is that we're actually open to listening to feedback. We, we don't have any, you know, I know what's right and you're wrong kind of attitude. So we want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. What uh? What I think the one that the one cage you guys make that really and forgive me for calling it cage the one enclosure that you guys make there you go yeah that yeah. really that really caught my eye was is it the exoskeleton is that what you guys call it uh, yeah yeah that's yeah. a really like wide windowy super yeah. visual lots of uh yes. you know colorful surrounds yeah we actually built um one of those here for a little scorpion we've got and we actually built one of those too as like a themed uh. 2020 quarantine super covid uh auction special I so remember we still seeing that one. one yeah that one was awesome yeah. yeah that was that was way fun so um we've actually also built uh, a 36 by so a three by two by two and we did it in the quote-unquote exoskeleton style so it had huge windows all the way around we actually put carbon fiber surrounds all the way around it so it's just it it is in your face huge just yeah. tons of window everywhere. Yeah, that, and, that definitely caught my eye. I like that one. Well, in, in a side window, what a, a hilariously simple idea. It's like right. I've got a boa <laughs> from the front of her enclosure. Half the time, she's behind her stick. You can't see her, okay? You look through the side window, and sure enough, there's your snake. And it's like, wow, a whole new perspective on looking at these things. So I didn't think that was super revolutionary, but apparently it's something that people super, super want. So we've been doing tons of side windows. That's nice because, I mean, the cube I have uh, that I have my male green tree in, the douchebag, um, like his his light went out and is in that thing. And it's like $40 to replace that thing. And I either have to special order it from who I got the cage from or I can hunt it down at Home Depot, which I don't have a Home Depot near me. And okay. so he just kind of just sits in the dark, and it's like this dungeon, and it sucks because he's a pretty snake, and I want to be able to see him. But it's like, if I had that kind of like thing where there was windows on the side where light actually got in there, I wouldn't worry about it as much. But it kind of sucks because I got this light. I got. I'm just gonna flat out replace it at some point with just something new. But it, having that is a nice option, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, little stuff like that makes such a huge difference. Yeah, I really like uh, – I've seen a couple of people that have some of the cube or some of the like more rectangular arboreal stuff, and you guys did like – geometric shape like either triangles or diamonds that court that correspond with one another on the sides of it in the pvc and i thought that was brilliant because not only is it aesthetically pleasing because it's these cool geometric shapes it's not just a big square window but mm-hmm. i felt like it also gives certain species a better sense of security it almost feels like they're not on display like maybe there's you know leaves or branches or something covering them so they're mm-hmm. less apt to be so stressed of you know the dog walking by the enclosure yeah you're still providing i guess a sense of security but you can still see it and what's going on like like our 18 cube we actually have a step-up window so you've got kind of a larger window towards the front of the enclosure and as as you head towards the back the window actually raises up it thins out too as it heads towards the back so you don't have this huge gaping hole in the side but you still got enough where you can peek around the corner and see what's going on Mm -hmm. in there so yeah, we actually awesome. built. It was kind of wild. We built one white enclosure that went to California, and we actually put a tented front door on it, so the snake can't see out super super well. So you can, I mean, once you've got the light on in the enclosure, you can see in, um, but the snake's not having to be super bothered worrying about people walking around outside of the unit. So it was actually super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's something that me and Billy and a couple other people have talked about in the past of like doing one-way mirror or one-way glass yeah. and like yeah. that in itself using using the light to mask the outside of the cage it's almost like it's almost like when you're in your car at night and you put your map light on you can't see out but people can see in mm-hmm. and that that's that's a brilliant idea like no one ever thinks of that yeah that's exactly what we did with that unit too and like as part as part of like the side window options you can actually do them clear or you can essentially buy them where they're tinted. So if you're worried about that, you know, side motion, you can get the tinted window where you can see in fairly well, but the animal's not going to be able to see out so much. So it's it kind of works good both ways there. Have you guys awesome. thought about doing like a magnetic cover almost where you can put it over that window and then remove it if you want to? No, that's kind of clever though. I've not thought of that. Have you guys done anything with like mounted hides? We have some stuff in the works as far as like hides going to be in the top mm-hmm. to where like a boreal, you know, especially the tree boas um, yeah. going in there. But it's, you know, it's taking a little bit of, uh, I guess, time trying to get through previous orders to be able to experiment with the stuff that's that's specific that needs a little bit of tweaking. So like we have some stuff already, <laughs> but we want to make sure that it's actually yeah. <laughs> it's sturdy, that it's in the right place because in the cubes and in the arboreal setups, you're going to have a, a heat panel mounted. So you want to make sure that the, the gradient is correct. And so like, or that's where we kind of have the little R and D and the R and D takes so long because we want to make sure that, you know, there's some high dollar animals going in a lot of these enclosures. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that, you know, they're, this is going to be a lifetime enclosure for them, that they're going to be one happy two, you know, everything, all the parameters are going to be correct. So as far as like, we generally try to have higher ventilation and, you know, the, the heat panel options, you can have it to where, like, if you're in a, a colder climate, you know, it's, so there's a lot of R and D basically a long, <laughs> a long explanation to that question is yes, that is intensive. Yeah. Yes, we have them. No, they're not done. <laughs> cool. Well, one of the things I really like too, is you guys do an option where you can put like the thermostat inset into the top of the cage. Yeah, Which I thought was really cool. 
Because it's such, I mean, it's, I'm sure that's, that's super easy to do. Like, that's not a hard thing to, to accommodate, but it's just cool that that's an option. Yeah. That, the, if it's the one that you're talking about that had like the, the Herbstat red line and yeah. the top of it, that was a yeah. super early custom order that, that we had. One of the first orders we ever had. Yeah. This guy is super, super cool. He drew that whole enclosure out on a piece of notebook paper and he sent it to us. He says, Can you make this? And I said, uh, Sure. You know, and I just sat at the computer long enough and finally figured it out. And that thing actually had like a top, I guess, kind of cabinet that opened up. Yeah. So we had a thermostat inside. He had all his wiring inside. He could keep, you know, different kind of equipment and stuff up there, whatever he needed to store in the top of it. And it was all kind of integrated. So we've actually got that uh, little turnkey matrix I was talking about, the 13, 12, 12. Mm -hmm. it, we, we make it with the thermostat built into it. And we're also working on like a 24 cube that's turnkey as well. So you've got a thermostat that's mounted into it. It's going to come with the purchase, the heat panel, so you don't have to think about it. So a, a new keeper is not trying to source all this stuff, and they're not tempted to to possibly buy the you know wrong enclosure, the wrong stuff. They just right. they, you spend the money, the thing shows up at your door, you screw it together, and it's ready to rip. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Which that's what people need because I think this is like a a hugely growing segment. So there's at the last show we were at, the amount of new people there was incredible. I mean, there's people at, you just hear them walk by and they're asking, what on earth's a UVB? It's like, Oh man, there is a, a lot of, you know, new folks getting into this stuff. So making it easier for them is the way to go. Cause there are so many options and choices. And, yeah. and, and if you don't know, man, you just, you freaking, you just don't know. So we're trying to make, solutions that are easy for for new keepers and experienced keepers well i think that's i mean people are willing to pay a premium for you know having to go to less places to order things instead of waiting on four boxes from four different orders from four different companies you know knowing that you can just get it in one place and just be done with it like yeah then if you I were make that, it all work together you yeah. gotta hope it's right whereas this you click a button and it's like oh you know exactly right. what you're getting yeah I know if I were in that mm -hmm. position, I'd be like, I'd rather just fork over the extra money and just get it all done in one, one go. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, you guys are well-versed in the critters themselves. So mm -hmm. let's say someone's new and they see the all-encompass kit, and they're like, man, I'm going to get this kit. And they, they can contact you and say, hey, I'm getting a Cresty or I'm getting a Day Gecko or whatever. And you could say, hey you're going to want to do X, Y, and Z, and we'll put that in the package for you. And then like that kind of you know, uh, manufacturer customer relationship is awesome. Yeah. That's a huge part of the inquiries that we get too. is people like, what would you suggest for? It doesn't mm -hmm. start right. off as, you know, I need this. It's like, I just got this. What do I need to do? So you're not just a, you know, an enclosure manufacturer. You're also trying to, to help and guide people as best you can too. So they, they rely on you for that kind of stuff. Sure. Sure. And you guys like the, what you guys produce you can, if I wanted to do like dart frogs, like you, you're able to do all the substrate layers and everything like that with these, right? Yeah, we can adjust whatever too. So if you see like an enclosure that we have that you like, but you're like, man, the, I don't think the, the substrate area is quite enough. If we need to modify it, we can make it taller. So if you're going to, you know, house an amphibian species that's going to need you know, more substrate area to account for a drainage layer and mm -hmm. on and on. We can adjust for that, too. So that's that is no big deal. And I mean, we've lost business before, too, because people have tried to order an enclosure for a particular animal that's not going to work for them. And I can't not say something, you know, 
got to yeah. be like, uh, this is a terrestrial species. You don't want to put it in an arboreal enclosure. It goes across, not up. And, you know, not always do people want to hear that, but we, we, we try and put in a little input if, if we think we could do something a little better. Of course. Have you, uh, it's, I keep seeing everyone's going paludarium this and paludarium that. Have you guys done any, like, semi-aquatic stuff? Not, not, not yet. Um, okay. I, I've been kind of wanting to just do a hilarious experimental PVC aquarium just to see what kind of abuse I could do to it. You know, how, how much water it can handle, how much I can try and drown it, how well I can seal it. Um, it's kind of a torture test of sorts like that, but, but not super paludarium style yet. Mm-hmm. We've done the paludariums in like the traditional 40 gallon breeders for like croc skinks and, um, the, the, the dart frogs and stuff like that. So we've had experience with creating it with the false bottom and the filters and everything. So it's, we, it's definitely something that's in the works is we really want to try and, like you said, torture test the, the different materials that we can actually machine ourselves and be able to have the customization with, you know, the plastic materials and, and, you know, either chemical welding or physical welding or something like that, where it gets outside of the kind of aquarium setup that's just pure glass. Because while that works very well and you can have some beautiful enclosures, it is kind of interesting if you can go to the, the PVC or the solid side enclosures because the animals are going to feel... Uh, more secure especially with like croc skinks so that's something that i've bred um and i do have a couple juveniles now and we're we're doing some r&d testing with those type of enclosures congratulations um, yeah so those those guys are super shy like if you don't have you know enough coverage in there you're you're they're they're going to die like croc skinks are even even captive bred and born ones like i have they still are are a little bit fragile um, at times, so it's it's good to be able to create something that is both secure and effective. So the paludarium setup for those guys is probably going to be the number one thing that we are going to torture test before we ever release it. But yeah, that's something that's in the works. If they had that's read awesome. your article on on red-eyed crocs ganks in her petaculture magazine, they would know that. <laughs> oh, <yep. laughs> oh yeah, those little guys. They're um, they're they're funny little critters. We're actually trying to work on like I I don't want to say a line because that's that's I guess too overzealous. But we have a couple that we're trying to uh, I guess make more use to people. So we have one that's socialized. Yeah, we have one that's called the uh, Old Greg. Um, <laughs> if you guys are you familiar with Old Greg, please tell me. Yes. Yes. Do you love me? Is what I want to. Do you love me? <laughs> what do you think of me? <laughs> make Maybe. an assessment thank you thank you see this is why you're you're our people <laughs> so yeah we have one called old greg and uh it's because he's a very gregarious little skink and uh and we we've been working with him and he he sits on our counter and sees us every day he's in a little pvc enclosure and uh with little pothos he's got uvb and everything and it's really been interesting to see how he's developed and where he first started, they would hide. So they, they, they freeze and they put their head down and they look dead. Well, now he'll come to the front and he'll just, he'll watch us. Like he has, you know, areas to hide. He's got his little water bowl. He can go and dig and hide under stuff, but no, he chooses to sit at the front of his, you know, uh, enclosure and basically wait for food in the morning and say, Hey, you haven't fed me. And you, you go up there, you feed him, you know, a, a wax worm or a, or a roach or whatever. And he'll go, eh, eh. 
and he'll just he'll yell at you and he's like fine i'll take it <laughs> yeah, that's so, awesome if you're you gonna know, make me survive i guess i will exactly yeah it's what's so funny about him he's just like it makes you smile every morning and for a crocs king to be something that's interactive is i think that there's you know you can really push the envelope with keeping as far as you know with the bioactive and and everything and we really we're doing a lot of experimentation and trying to work with it because i know that people really want that interactivity with some of these animals and uh it's definitely there it's just it takes a lot of time Mm mm-hmm it would be really cool if you could do like dark frog variants, but you could have the color of the cage match the frogs that are inside of it. Yes. So I've thought about that. I've I used to have um, uh, a couple dark frogs, and I actually ended up selling them because I got so tired of the fruit flies. Yeah. Um, and and yep. keeping, yeah, and keeping those. So I love the frogs. They're so easy to keep. They're awesome. I love their little, you know, how they hunt and their mm-hmm. little twitches. It's so cool to watch them, but the fruit flies, I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> that is their only downfall, and that's what I tell people who ask me about yeah. them. I'm like, they're fun. It's just you got to make sure you time your cultures right, because otherwise you're going to be without food for however exactly. long. Exactly. It's kind of a pain when you run out. Exactly. I, I didn't, and it was during the winter, and, you know, going to the local Petco was always like, oh, this one's full of mold. Oh, they're all dead. Yeah. You know? And this is coming from a monitor keeper saying that I don't like fruit flies, but yeah. mostly <laughs> was just staying on top of it. So it's not hard. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's just another thing to keep keep in line. Mm-hmm. But yes, so as far as like the colors, I think that's a super cool option. We've kind of discussed it. And uh, that's another thing that's in the works. It's just, you know, time. No time. <laughs> So what's the what's the plan sort of moving forward? I mean, like long term or short term? I mean, are you guys just looking to keep it rolling? Is there somewhere like are you looking for it to? I mean, it's it sounds like it's it's already sort of a full time job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when we first started it back in, you know, as a side side gig kind of in 2019 of like, hey, you know, let's see what we can make. I have I have a lot of animals that need enclosure, so mm-hmm. we can kind of do it for that. But when COVID hit and, uh, you know, found ourselves having to, you know, kind of rely on this as as a, a career kind of thing, the the idea of what we were going to do with it definitely shifted, especially, you know, for Stephen, who... It, it turned into, you know, his his full time job. Is that that is his full time job? Yeah, our next big deal is really just to scale. So we've got to make more stuff faster. So the more experience I get, you know, the more I learn the machine and the program, the faster we get. Um, that's just where we're at now. Is just is keep scaling. Like the amount of orders is kind of on this like exponential curve, um, and and we're just gonna keep our heads down, I guess, and just keep fulfilling orders and and designing new enclosures and kind of reaching new markets. So at first, you know, when you can build a 30 inch enclosure, your market's fairly limited, but now we can, I mean, we're building some eight foot by four foot units. So, I mean, it's kind of of limitless now. So we're just, we're just going to keep hammering. What's, what's your turnaround time currently? Well, it's probably a lot of it depends on the size of the enclosure you get. So some of our smaller stuff's like four to five weeks, but some big custom stuff's Mm -hmm. 10 weeks. And I mean, it's just because it's, 
it's so big and intense. We want to make sure we get it right. So that's one of the things that we're definitely working on. We got, once again, back when COVID hit, we were at probably 12 to 15 weeks because I mean, one, our CNC machine was delayed. Two, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't get a hold of anything. Like everything, there was so much demand uh, with the stimulus, and then everybody was at home. Oh, dude, so. that was ludicrous. I mean, it was like <laughs> I never you, you you'd get I don't know how many orders a day. I'm just sitting there watching, like this can't be real. And I mean, it just kept ding, ding, ding. I said, this is crazy. I thought the world was over. Everybody was unemployed. You know, hell no. People were buying stuff yeah. like there was no tomorrow. And I was like, oh god. So we managed to go. Um, from 12 weeks, then we pulled it back down to four to six weeks, and it's kind of crept back up a bit just because we've gotten so busy recently. Mm-hmm. And plus, we had, you know, a shortage of of PVC. How ridiculous is that? It's black plastic rectangles, and you just could not get them. I had to drive uh, yesterday. I drove six, like six, seven hours uh, to get plastic to fulfill orders because I kept getting kind of ding donged around here. Uh, locally, wow. and of course, you know, Houston started to float away because there was that tropical depression that stalled over mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, I said we got to do something. So, that's been kind of a weird hurdle is is navigating the shortages of that kind of stuff. But we got it now, and we got a trailer full of stuff, and we're we're just gonna keep at it. How have the shows nice. been? The shows? Yeah, because oh, you guys just ridiculous. did Herb's Conroe, right? Oh, yeah. that was that was full stupid, man. I mean, at one point, like I had a small panic attack because there was like 800 people trying to talk to me and take orders. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know who to look at. I mean, it's it, it's good down here. I don't know what other shows are like, but, you know, it's Montgomery County's kind of the Wild West. There's not a whole lot of rules on what to do, where and when. So it was a, it was on yeah. and it was good. I mean, people were ready to, to be out um mixing it up and and dude they were on it and the first 30 minutes i mean we basically if we would have had more stock we would have sold out i mean in the first 30 minutes like we it was like i said with all the technical difficulties we've been having we just got new phones and so the new phones don't have audio jacks so we couldn't use our square so we had to use an old phone with the audio jack but it and then we had to install the program and it was like it was nuts. I mean, literally everybody descended because we had posted that we were going to be there and we had multiple people that were trying to get enclosures and they were already sold. Like we had a stack um, of uh, a super awesome dude that's been working with us for a while for his, um, he's actually got some, some uh, sickness babies um, that he's Ooh. got in there. And, and yeah, uh, we actually had one of the sickness babies come to our, come to our place, saw her in person. She was absolutely freaking mind blowing. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, and he came by and to pick up his enclosures and people were trying to buy his enclosures like there. <laughs> like so, freaking yeah, Black it, Friday. I mean, it literally, yeah. no, it was, it was definitely like Walmart Black Friday. Like, and we were, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm kind of, I love chaos. And so, like, I was just like talking with everybody and I love seeing like people get so excited over this. Like, I guess I'm just like a, a creepy nerd you know that i've always been doing this for forever but i'm like i love seeing people get excited about it and like and really passionate so like when when everybody's kind of descending like that like i need this you know we actually took some pre-orders for the next show while we were like within the first 30 minutes of the show opening on saturday so like it's hard to kind of convey 
how crazy it was. And I love it because that's it's so Sean and Lori, they are super awesome. They run the Herp show mm-hmm. and huge kudos to them. They've had to go through, you know, hell and high water this year trying to get shows going on. And they have done an absolutely phenomenal job trying to support their vendors. Like we've we've been with them for for a little while. I mean, we haven't been with them for the from the very beginning since we're fairly new as far as the uh, enclosures. But I've been with them, you know, with the the crested geckos and the breeding, the method noir side. And I mean, they're super awesome. They're under a huge amount of stress. And it's always number one is the vendors, you know, and they make sure that all the people who come in there, you know, they have a good time. There's an awesome selection. So, yeah, the show's seriously crazy. Yeah, they're they're very good right now. Yeah, that's, that's great. I'm really glad to hear that. Because I mean, there's a lot of people that that can't say that. It's it's weird though, because I mean, I work at a cigar shop, and so when all this started, it was very slow for about two or three weeks. But then, over time, it just picked up, and I mean, business got just unbelievable for a solid two or three months. Just numbers we've never seen. And it sounds like talking to other people that are in retail and stuff, it was the same case for them too. Like you would think during sort of what we've been dealing with that people wouldn't be spending money. <laughs> But yeah. people have been spending money like freaking crazy. Yeah, everybody's just been at home. And, it, you know, you, you start getting bored, I guess, and, and looking towards the things that you want to enjoy. And I think that's what happens. It's just mm-hmm. like I, I've been there. There's so many animals that I've wanted and so many enclosures that I want to build. And it's just like, man, there's not enough time in the day. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, totally. what's your experience been with shipping and, and stuff? Because I know a lot of people that – like Sean at MP Cages and I think uh, Jen and, and Clint at Black Box, like they've had some issues as far as FedEx or UPS or whoever they're using to ship through being really rough with their with their packages and them having some panels or something chipped or broken. Have you guys been having any yeah. issues on that end? That has been the hardest part of this business. Entirely. <laughs> I mean, Why I, am I, I not surprised? Built, I have built, built a giant, like, chopping, cutting robot of death um, to, to cut enclosures out. That was the easy part. Putting them in a box and sending them to people is by far the hardest. It's, it's horrible. Like it's uh, So we started out. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get up on my soapbox here. Do it. I've been dealing with the shipping, and we started out with UPS. And they must have drop-kicked, karate-chopped, and then Back thrown over... Yeah, thrown out of the truck and backed over it multiple times uh, with multiple enclosures. And so they get to people, and and we spend, okay, we spend a lot of money on the packing material. The packing material alone is so expensive. Like, it... it, Boxes are cheap. It's amazing how expensive boxes are. It's Yeah, and the the shipping to get the boxes here on a pallet, like, all that stuff adds up, and that's what people don't see, and Mm -hmm. they don't need to. That's not, you know, part of it, but it's like there's so much money that goes into the shipping, and then for the carriers just to be like, let's see what we can do. It's kind of play football. So we had so many damaged ones, and, of course, we wanted to make sure that people had a good experience, so we had to... You know, with okay, with UPS, we couldn't get anything out of them. They said, "Oh, you didn't have enough packing." We had, you know, the two inches of packing, whatever. But no, like they, we didn't have the right photos, so they would deny the claim. So we had to come out of pocket and replace multiple enclosures, full enclosures, because they were assembled ones. So we didn't want somebody to have to just replace, you know, a, a panel, right? Because you know they 
to make sure that everybody had the right experience. So we had to do that. And so UPS, I mean, I had spent hours on the phone with them. Just, I mean, I got stonewalled by them, basically. So I said, all right, so let me try FedEx. And so FedEx actually, knock on wood, has been better. Now, we've had quite a lot of damages, but we have gotten more intelligent at being able to pack them. And we have invested in even more money into the packing material to make sure that we know, like, so every box is supposed to be able to do, what, a six-foot drop? And so some of these enclosures, they weigh a good, you know, like 80 pounds. Mm -hmm. So that much inertia, whenever it falls, you got to have, you know, a double-walled box with, you know, multiple inches of styrofoam or peanuts or, you know, packing material. So we've, we've definitely, that has been a huge learning curve, not only with the CAD and the CNC work, Stephen, you know, has, has had to climb like the shipping who knew the shipping was going to be like one of the worst experiences of having this business. And it l- literally has been the worst experience of having a business. Yeah. Sean said the same thing. He had boxes that it looks like they did anything you could think of. They did to that box. <laughs> like just I'm crazy. One of them. Yeah. Been pretty good. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. They took my locks out. <laughs> They like they opened the box. I like, forgot it, about it that. Was, it was kicked around. I mean, it was a huge box. It wasn't huge. It was probably, it was probably like four and a half feet tall and maybe like six inches wide, right? Or six inches deep, excuse me. And uh, and it literally looked like they just threw it off the back of the truck. But you could see where they cut Sean's tape, and <laughs> they took my locks out. They they took the locks, and then they left the keys, which made no sense. And then they retaped it. Because it wasn't like it busted open. No, no, no. They cut his tape and then used different colored tape. Like, like you'd expect them to, to at least be sly about it, you know? Wow. Yeah. But, but with all that logistic stuff, that's why you got to have a Uline account, right? Well, we've we've spent many, many, many thousands with Uline, and uh, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> Those dudes are awesome. They, I mean, they show up here at like awesome. seven a.m. blaring on the horn. I'm like. Look, God, what's happening? And there's a guy like running around with a pallet jack. I'm like, what is? What are you doing? He's like, it's overnight delivery, man. I'm like, okay. But not at seven a.m. Like y'all, y'all, y'all do any shipping for for people? Yeah, yeah. Right. Y'all, y'all are in the wrong business. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so you actually. So I have to say one positive. They've been really good, but they, uh, yeah, it's it's just been nuts. Like having to deal with. You know, all the reps on the phone. And of course, you know, a fairly small business. Like, while the reptile community and the reptile industry is rather large, like, it's still very niche. So, um, the we just don't have a lot of clout. So, you know, I call and they're like, well, you know, we're going to get back with you when within 48 to 72 hours. And I'm like, all right, well, we need to make a decision now because the person who paid the money to us has, you know, we have the responsibility to get them what they paid for. And so it's like, no, we're gonna get back with you in 48 to 72 hours. And usually they don't. And so you have to call after the 72 hours and then a week goes by and, you know, you have to make a decision. So we pride ourselves in like being very communicative, you know, communicating with, with people who, who purchase the enclosures or are looking to, and like the shipping company is just, I mean, it is a brick wall. We don't care. You don't matter. You, you know, you may ship, you know, a hundred enclosures, but or packages, but yeah, we don't care. It's that's not enough. That's not like you know, 
Walmart or whatever. Yeah, that was Sean. That was Sean's sentiment too. Is like you go to file a claim or something. They're like, "Sorry, bro. Thanks yeah. for the free money." Or famous famous last words is, "We've opened an investigation." Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Quote: We've opened an investigation. Yeah. Seven days later, your claim is denied for some reason. Good day. Right. As far as what you're keeping, though, is there anything you guys want to get? I mean, I'm sure you you probably can't take on too much with with everything that you're you're doing now. But I mean, are there species that you're you're definitely wanting to get into? D- man, I want a squam. Oh I want man, Phil's got squams. <laughs> that I do. Yeah, that I do want. I did not realize I wanted one so much, and now I have discovered that I do indeed want one. They're some of the coolest pet rocks you'll ever have. Well, I mean, that's kind of what we're you know. <laughs> I could keep you guys for the rest of the night of all the things that I want to keep. But as far as like those, it is very cool that they come in so many different colors. And it's, you know, as far as a venomous species, they seem like they're, um, their enclosure type is really cool. Like I like to be able to see them like kind of interact with their environment. Oh yeah, completely. And, and a lot of people, they don't, they don't really notice how much those that they don't notice how much that specific species does interact with its environment because a lot of times people are looking at them in daylight or they're looking at them like you know after dinner in the evening and they're just hiding under a log or they're perched up in the corner behind some branches and you just okay it's it's just sitting there but then if you go in at like two or three in the morning and that animal is cruising and looking for prey and exploring and like that's the cool part well, that's super cool. It's like even with our little our our, our Biak, um, it's that dude freaking cruises everywhere. Oh yeah. You know, we we have him in our Matrix XL. He's just a little guy, but like he's I mean, even during the day sometimes he's out cruising and uh, he'll go up and he'll perch on his little area and then he'll he'll come down, and it's fascinating because like if you come out at you know like you said one two o'clock, it's amazing to see they're they're doing stuff. You know. Oh they're, yeah. They're cruising, they're looking, they're they're doing their natural behaviors, and that's what's, I think that's what draws people to them is, you know, that it's a very, um, they are what they are kind of thing. Like, they're, you get to watch them do what they actually do in the wild. It's their, your little, like, snip of, of nature, you know. But you oh, have yeah. to see them at the right time. So, like, a lot of people say that, you know, the chondros are a lazy, you know, what do you call them, a cinnamon roll? Uh, just sitting there. <laughs> they, they're definitely. Uh, yeah, mine is nothing like that. Yeah, he's... yeah, that thing is jamming all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what we're what attracts us to the squams is is kind of a, a new frontier there of, of an animal that's you know interacts with its environment is very you know intelligently I guess doing its thing but in a very elegant way. Like I just I love how they look. I love. The, the scale type. I mean, there's just really there's what could you not like about them? Yeah, it's the coolest uh, people, genus of venomous ever. And people always ask me, they're like, "Oh, would squam be a good first venomous?" Like people ask me that all the time, and I usually tell people no for for a couple different reasons. But for someone like you guys who have been doing this for a long time and you've handled all different types of animals, both mean and friendly. There's no reason why you guys couldn't have a, have a good time with a squam and, and play it safe and, you know, keep it responsible, especially when you have a beautiful enclosures like this company, Focus Cubed. 
Yeah, I, I think it takes a little bit of intelligence and common sense. You got to think about what you're doing. You can't just yeah. grow out with a with a venomous snake and think, oh, I'm just going to grab this thing by its tail because I saw a YouTube video and I got this, and then you're then right. you're totally screwed. So, yeah. there's, I'm sure a lot of that that goes on, but not yeah. around here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the venomous is a whole rabbit hole that me and Phil could go down, which we do go oh, down yeah. actually on a weekly basis. We we do go down on a weekly basis. <laughs> I yeah, actually just I sent Justin pictures of one of the squams last night. Uh, it it pulled a Top Gun. I went to feed it on hemostats, and I guess it decided that it had to bite the prey item upside down. So it completely <laughs> it struck upside down, and then proceeded to lay there inverted while it ate it. And I would just I'd never <laughs> seen that before. Wow! <laughs> all right, that's new. Whatever whatever works, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. We were excited that we we're going to be on the podcast with you because you we were like, man, maybe we can like pick his brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. The really, I mean, I would love to do a smaller monitor. The water monitors are awesome. I absolutely love them. But like the amount of care and, and dedication that it takes, I would love to get into like the smaller, um, like the Aki monitors. And mm-hmm. there's uh, the King's monitor, actually. I was, uh, you know, MOC Reptiles uh, was selling a couple and i'm like man there's a leucistic uh and they're just gorgeous they're tiny little monitors and i'm like they still have the monitor intelligence but they're teeny tiny oh yeah pilbaranses yeah, are definitely on my list i have a, a affinity for things with legs but we did just uh we got a, a jungle carpet he's an absolute beauty um we've had the boa for a while i've done the ball python thing and uh really i i love both snakes and and lizards you gotta you gotta mix it up. You got a little bit of everything. Yeah, we're all about we're all about the, the, the everything. So like so says somebody asks us about something, we we generally at least have a little bit of a experience with it, done a little bit of the amphibians and I really wanna do a cool cool uh enclosure for the, the Pac Man frog. I know they're just kind of literally pet rocks, but I think it would be really cool to have like kind of a nice planted enclosure and, and, and work on that and kind of because they're such pretty animals, even though they just sit there. I mean, they're still you can you can enjoy them in their habitat without them moving. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, pet stomachs. They're awesome. Yep. They're they're voids yeah. with legs. Well, yeah, and you can feed it pinkies or even like fuzzies. Like the mine is huge. That's so cool. Do you guys um, have any plans on getting into like doing racks at all? We have had a ton of requests for racks. We just hadn't got there yet. So I actually have some uh, designs drawn up that I just hadn't had a chance to cut and assemble yet. So we do plan on doing uh, some rack-type stuff and then some other types of stuff that are kind of like racks but not. So that's something we're kind of working out, and I want to build the prototype first and see if it's a, a viable deal and... And we're going to try and release that. So we're, we've got some rack-like stuff that ain't a rack. So we yeah. just got to get it cut and put together. So I think it's going to be super cool. And it's going to be kind of another, I guess, you know, outsider's look on how to care for multiple animals at one time. So I think it'll be pretty neat once I get it dialed in. Yeah, that's awesome. nice. We're, we don't want to release something too early. So, like, we do have a lot of requests for stuff like that. But... Fortunately, we can do that in-house kind of R&D thing. But, yeah, it just takes it takes so long. And we really 
we get excited. We want to release it now, but it's like, no, we got to make sure that it's right. <laughs> oh, I've got like 8,000 irons in the fire. I'm trying not to tell people about, I've got so many <laughs> ideas of so many different things. And I'm like, just shut up guy. Just be quiet. Yeah. Figure it out, build it, make sure it's good. And then tell people because, and I'd hate to let a few of these cats out of the bag just yet. Yeah. You don't want to over promise and under deliver. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's obnoxious too. Uh, and at the same time, I don't want any, you know, copycats trying to steal my cool stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, it would be super cool to have a bunch of like Art Deco cubes, like all condoed stacked. You know, nah, that'd be sweet. That'd be yeah. very cool. You got my brain turning with colors and co- and uh, colors <laughs> and squams. You should do yeah. sports yeah. team colors, yeah. right? Yellow splatter for the yellow snake, red splatter for the red snake. Oh yeah, I dig yeah. it. I like the way your mind works. Yeah, I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, where can people see the awesome stuff you are doing? Uh, pretty much anywhere on the interwebs. So you've got the website, which is focuscubehabitats.com. Uh, we're on Facebook under the same name, Instagram, same deal. Um, you know, People can contact us through any one of those means. You can email us through the website. You can Message us through Facebook or Instagram. My phone's in my pocket, and I think Ash is the same way, so we're pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, so if anybody has a question or something and they see something on the site they don't understand or something they want that's not on there, you can just hit us up through there, and we'll try and figure it out. Yeah, if it comes to any of the means of contacting, comes to both of us. So if you have a reptile question, you know, I kind of jump in, or if you have a, you know, more engineering or CNC question as far as, like, something mechanical, you, you know, Stephen jumps in on that. So we try to be, you know, make sure that everybody's covered. Yeah, don't don't hit on my wife because sometimes you're talking to me, and that gets real awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Tell me you play along. Tell me. Oh, I've had fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love it. All right. Well, we definitely appreciate y'all coming on, especially with it being semi-short notice. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah dude, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're definitely honored to Super be. Super fun. Yeah, I, I've listened to your podcast. I pretty much go, you know, the whole route, and as I was like, you, you messaged me. I was like, hell yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> so really, we we do appreciate you taking the time to. You know, have us on and and hope that uh, hope that it's good for y'all too. No, of course, absolutely. Yeah, we will uh, we will talk to y'all later. All right, we'll be here. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks. We'll see ya. Bye. Bye. <clears throat> do do. That was fun. It was fun. It's a good one. I have to do a little disclaimer in the beginning, saying, actually, no, because I can go through and and change what i need to yeah i was gonna say you could even put a little thing saying hey you know it may be a little funky audio wise but just fight through it because it gets good yes hold on to your butts hold on to your butts oh new deftones album comes out in a little over an hour buddy yes katie doesn't know it but it, I'm, I'm staying up so i can listen to it good she's, she's gonna be she's gonna be pissed my ride to work tomorrow is gonna be awesome she'll be all right though all right, buddy. This was episode 90 freaking 7 of the Herbetical wow. Podcast. 97. 97. Where did we'll the time go? Right? <sighs> Seems like it was just yesterday. Me and Jake were awkwardly sitting across from one another, not right? knowing what to even talk about. <laughs> hmm. 
Anyways, this show is brought to you by MP Cages and Exotics. Yeah. And Steve Snakeshwary and his Venom Hot Sauce. Muy caliente. If you want to get hot, hit up Steve. You know what he's got. Do you like that? The goods. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We will... I guess we won't see you next week, but you will hear from us next week. Um, actually, Tuesday, I believe. If you're free Tuesday, I think Tuesday is what we have planned for next week. Um, so we can talk about that later. But yeah, uh, it's going to be kind of an Aki episode. Nice. So going to do some Aki's and some other stuff. It's going to be uh, Alan Stevens from Origins Reptiles. Hell pretty, yeah, man! Pretty excited about. It. He's got some cool stuff. He's a big Australian guy too. He's got a, Dude, you know brettles. He's got and... some awesome animals. Yeah, man. I look at his stuff every single day on my feet. Yep. So uh, Tuesday is when that's happening. He uh, we had to do that just because his work schedule and everything like that. We like to try and be accommodating here at the Herpeticulture Network. So um, that and then snakes and stogies. I'm assuming Monday night. Are we going to do that too, or you just want to do yeah. Tuesday? Okay, cool. it's it's up to you, man. I'm I'm, I'm game for both. Word. Sounds Word up good. to your mom. All right, y'all. Well, catch Snakes and Stogies live on YouTube. It'll be, well, it's actually, it's on YouTube, it's on Twitch, and it's on the Herpeticulture Network Facebook page. Uh, live Mondays at 9-ish. 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 Uh, it's me and Phil and whoever else is with us that night, and it's a good time. Just kick back. Chill. We need to get, like, Henry on, like, dedicated we do. to Henry just to talk. Henry... Henry just got a brand new phone because Henry's phone has he like gets a phone and then he jacks it up, the screen cracks, the audio <laughs> the audio jack falls out of it, yeah. and you know, so he finally just got a new phone and it's crazy because he doesn't have a case for it, mm. and I'm like He's just asking dog, for it, yeah, what are you doing? So uh, we definitely got to get him on. He has a new phone, so he has no excuse not to. That's right. I want and to talk uh, some king cobras and stuff, man. Yeah, right. King definitely, uh, definitely, you guys should stream us Monday night. Put Google stream, Google cast, whatever to your big screen TV so that our faces are big and in your life at that time. And you'll be happy and merry and life will be grand. But if you can't catch it live, it is posted uh, anywhere podcasts are found under the Herpeticulture Network. Um, I still have to post the last two episodes. I've been really slack. I will probably tackle that tomorrow. Sure, top, we'll allow it. On top of finishing up this next issue of the magazine, which I'm very excited to to drop. Um, did you get my email earlier? I did get your email. I've not even looked at it yet, though. So okay, that it's is, there and it's ready for the pl- pl- ready and ripe for the plucking. That will yep. That's going to be a tomorrow job too. So uh, we will talk to y'all later. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.